back, Zen Parenting Radio. I'm not going to say what number it is again. Um, my name is Todd Adams. This is Kathy Adams. And today we are going to talk about why you should never tell your kids how smart they are. Yeah. How's that, how's that, for, a, how's a, that for a lead? Way, that's a good way to introduce it because there's some truth to that, but also please stay tuned because it's not what you think. Yeah, it's not what you think. So we are going to talk about something completely different, and I threw you a curveball this morning. We've come up with two different topics that we we're going to talk about that were different, and then Literally an hour ago, you came up with, let's talk about why you shouldn't praise your children or tell them that they're smart. So I was on the computer this morning, and the, there's another cough. Sorry, I had to clear my throat. I should have done that before we started. But, it's all right. Okay. It, it happens. It um, there's a YouTube clip of this lady who did this study, and she had 9-year-olds and 10-year-old kids. And it, it, bear with me for a second, because it might take me just a, a minute to explain uh, she divided these kids into two groups, and they were supposed to construct these puzzles. And they started both groups off with easy puzzles. And then um, after they completed an easy puzzle, one group, uh, the facilitator of that group, um, said about how smart they were for completing that puzzle. So he told the kids they were smart. Right. Okay. And the other group, they said, wow, they praised the effort. Okay, so Instead they said of the result. way to work through that or right. a good effort. Something like that. Okay. So then they progressively got to harder puzzles. And then uh, the facilitator said, okay, do you want to work on an easy puzzle next or do you want to work on a more challenging puzzle? And the kids who were praised for being told how smart they were all wanted to work on the easy puzzle. Okay. And the kids who were, pra who were praised for their effort and their work wanted to work on the harder puzzle. Okay, so let's talk about why that is. Um, First of all, who was, what was this study? Who was this woman? Was I have it a no university idea. study? Okay. But I, we could probably post it on on YouTube okay. on our Facebook, Might so we'll throw it in there. Yes, it was it was interesting to me. So um, I don't know. I just thought that that was very revealing on us as parents. We get caught in the idea of praising results instead of effort. We always talk about it's about the means and not about the end. And I feel like this is just another idea that reinforces what we think is important. Right. And this is, you know, you, you found this study and, and I mentioned to you that this is not the first time this research has been done. It's probably been done a lot, but mm -hmm. it's just making news now. Right. Um, there was a book that came out about two years ago called Nurture Shock by Paul Bronson and Ashley, I think I wrote down, Merriman. And they um, wrote about it, a lot of different things, but one of the things that they spoke about was this exact thing, that praising children for a thing, like you are smart, you are beautiful, causes them to not want to reach beyond a certain level because then they're fearful they will not then be smart mm -hmm. or be beautiful or whatever that definitive term is. And so it actually restricts them, whereas praising, and again, what's unfortunate is this book came out and everyone got, you know, probably only one-fourth of people who talked about it read it. But people jumped on the bandwagon and said, okay, that means you're not supposed to praise your kids. So then what happened? So then everyone started saying, don't praise your kids. And everyone started going from, you know, where focusing on praise became a big deal. Everyone, everyone meaning parents, stopped talking to their kids and just said, I'm not supposed to praise you because it'll harm so you. So they went completely out of balance in the other direction. In the other, it's like a pendulum, right? And so everyone was praising their kids and then they heard this information via whatever or read the book and went extreme the other way when really what the book was trying to say or what that chapter was trying to say was it's not that you don't praise your kids, it's be thoughtful about what you praise your kids for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like there was, uh, even at our daughter's preschool, I feel like they uh, subscribed to a certain way of teaching and how it got misconstrued by some of the parents because I think our teachers are instructed not to say good boy, good girl. 
Right. And and do you remember? Well, I'm not a big fan of big or good boy, good girl either. That's what I'm saying. Oh, okay. I'm agreeing yeah. with that. Oh, okay. But parents mis- misconstrued saying, "How come my preschool teachers are not saying?" are not reinforcing, you know, saying how good my kids are. Right. And parents kind of, but the preschool or, you know, anybody who subscribes to that thing, it's not that they wouldn't, um, it's give, not that they wouldn't praise give them. positive reinforcement, but they wouldn't use the terms good boy, good girl. Instead, they would say really good job cleaning, clean up, cleaning up your area. They would specify what the children were getting praise for. Right. And so instead of, in let's talk about good Good girl, good boy. Okay. They are they are two terms that I'm I don't really like that much um, because it's very nondescript. Mm-hmm. What does that mean to be a good girl? Mm-hmm. You know, and parents do it so naturally because they were probably parented in that way, mm-hmm. and and it's very normal in our culture to say now be a good girl mm-hmm. when we go into the store. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? Right. What does it mean to be a good girl? I actually I have an article. Um, that was posted in Chicago Parent yesterday. It's on my blog, chicagoparent.com, the self-aware parent. And um, it is about saying to a child, um, you know, you if, if you be a good girl, or good girls wouldn't say that, mm-hmm. or you're being a brat, uh, good girls don't say that. Right. What does that mean? So good girls don't speak their mind. Right. Good girls don't get angry. Mm-hmm. Good girls don't sometimes make a mistake. And these are the things that we don't, we know in our heads what What we mean, mean. but we've got to be more real. Like, for example, Todd, you and I talk about when you tell the girls to go clean their room. Right. And for kids who are really young, and again, our kids are getting older, but they don't often know what that means. And I, and, and I'm, I'm still a little challenged by that. I know you are. I know. And we, we talk about it a lot. How can they not know what that means? Because it's not that they don't know what, uh, it's that what do you want them to do? Clean up their room. <laughs> but what, you know, I know. make and then, your bed. And, yeah, and you get into the specifics. Yeah. I need you to make, make your, your bed. bed. I because need then to... what happens is they finish what they think is a good job. Mm-hmm. And then they walk out of the room and we say, that's not clean. Right. And there's no recognition of the effort that they just put in because they didn't meet the standards in our head. Right. That was in our mind. If we say, go in, we could even have a list that they have all the time. Cleaning your room means, you know, making your bed, putting your clothes away, getting your toys in their bin off mm-hmm. the floor, and your room is clean. Right. And again, I know this is maybe for younger kids. Older kids know. Right, right. Um, but we tend to get down on our kids for not understanding what we think in our head. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's wanting them to be mind readers. Well, and it's, uh, it's funny you say that because we're doing a lot of reading. Uh, we have a first grader. We have a third grader. And we're so, doing a lot of reading with our kids. Right. Yeah. And it's... It seems like there's times when I get frustrated, like Cameron, how many times do we have to read the word, you know, cat before you get it or something like that? And, you know, I've talked on the show, how about learning piano? And I think about that because I can look at the same set of music notes and know it on Tuesday and completely forget it on Wednesday. And, but it's hard for my brain to undo that, to know that. Just because she knew it on Tuesday doesn't mean that, you know, cat, C-A-T, cat. And if I think about it in terms of reading music, because that's so foreign to me, just like it is so foreign Just like reading is to foreign her, to our children, right? Then it, it, it gives me a, a deeper appreciation. Maybe it gives me a little more patience than I otherwise would have. And we can take that to all, you know, children of all ages. When kids get into math and things get more challenging and we say, how can you not know this multiplication problem? Well... 
we have been doing multiplication for 30 some years right. and so it's easy to us but they are just building those neural pathways in their brain right. they are just making those connections so they have to practice it just like they have to practice cleaning their room just like they have to practice um you know remember holding hands to cross the street that's what we're there for it's not to you know be down on them because they didn't get it the first time and there's plenty of moments where i just Forget about all that. Yeah. And I just think that they know what I know. And it's so unfair. And that's where the deep breath comes in. Yeah. Because that's where we get bring, we get brought back. You know, when we're getting really frustrated, which you and I both do during homework time. Oh, homework time. Last week, yeah. I walked, I, I came to homework time with, I'm going to be patient. I'm going to breathe. I like, I equip myself with all these tools. And within like a minute, I was frustrated at JC mm-hmm. because she didn't know how to start a subtraction problem. It was a word problem. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, so you don't know how to subtract. And let's have fun with this because what you did is you, when I got home, you said, you said it to me, you Mm -hmm. go, so I said to her, blah, 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 blah. You know, this is how you start it. And I said to you, I don't even understand what you're talking about. (laughs) So I said, I am a visual learner. So when you're telling me auditory, how to do a a problem like that, I, I, at least in math, I'm a visual learner. I've got to see it on paper. I said, maybe you could draw the apples with the number, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and again, I don't even know if that would have helped JC, but you were so... Well, I was stuck in my way and I was way, I right? was doing it auditory. I'd be like, okay, let's. I'm the store clerk and you're coming to me and buying five apples and you have $5 in your hand. And I literally was role playing. I was like, I was doing, <laughs> okay, I'm the store vendor. What would you like? And I would make her say, I would like three apples. Right. And I'd be like, okay, that'll be $3. And I'd be like, okay, now JC, how many dollars do you have left? And right. she looked at me as if, so she could hear your story, yeah. but the mathematical portion, she couldn't see it couldn't in her get, head yet. And every kid learns differently. Exactly. And we as parents need to figure that out. And I still haven't figured it out. But Cameron might be an auditory learner. Right. And JC might be a visual learner. And, or they might be a mixture of all. Right. I think JC tends to be more kinesthetic. Like she needs to work it out, do it a few times, use her hands on right. it. But regardless, um, and I do the same thing with homework time. Mm-hmm. I have found that if I move around, I do a lot better because mm-hmm. I get frustrated if I sit and like hover over them. First of all, it's not good for them Mm -hmm. because especially our older children should be kind of, you know, doing that on their own with me as a support system. Right. But I'm then kind of waiting for them to finish versus if I'm kind of milling around doing my own thing, I'm not focused on how long it's taking. I'm just there as support. Well, and I've said this, two things I want to say. One is you tend to do the homework with the girls more than I do. Like four times out of the week. Right. And what you said is, listen, I can't do this all four days. Yeah. All five days. Oh, yeah, you're right. Four days. Four days. It's just Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And you said, I can't do this because by Thursday I'm spent and I'm no good for the girls. So we decided, we made a plan that I would do it once a week and you would do it the other three. And that is you knowing yourself well enough to share that responsibility instead of being the martyr and get frustrated with the girls, with the homework, with the teachers, with me. You knew yourself well enough to say, "Listen, I don't want to do this all four days or all three days." And the and the insta- and the reason I asked you is simply because I needed help. Right. But let's look at the other levels of why that's good for the girls. They get to do homework with you. They mm-hmm. see things from a different perspective. Mm-hmm. They get help in a different way. Mm-hmm. You know, they learn how to ask for help in a different way. So even though those were not the reasons that I you know asked you, I needed help. But these, all those other good things come into play. And the other, as long as we're talking about homework, my other pet peeve of homework is when we did homework, we had a big, thick textbook. Right. 
and we'd bring it home. And I remember my parents having to, maybe there'd be times where they'd have to figure look it out. Through the book. And they look through the book. Yeah. Now they just get these worksheets. And I don't know how they're teaching mm-hmm. them multiplication, division, subtraction. So, because I want to do what the teachers are doing. Because right. you could teach it a million different ways. Right. Like the whole way they teach adding is completely different than the way we did it. We, right. did it. we lined up the columns and we added the ones and the tens and all that. And now they're having them kind of round it up differently. It's yeah. just kind of crazy. There's more estimating. Yeah. It's, I think they use something called everyday math. Actually, yeah. I know they do. And so there's a lot of different um, ways to go about finding solutions that aren't always based with your pencil. Right. You know, it's more mind. Um, and, and there's probably rhyme and reason to that. But unless I have a book to go back to and refer to. Right. Anyways, that's my little parenting pet peeve. Well, I want to go back to the good girl, bad boy thing okay. or whatever. Um, even though the the homecom the, the uh, homework discussion is valuable, but I want to talk about that. Not only is being a good girl difficult to understand, but what does it mean when you say to your son or daughter, "You're a bad boy" or "a bad girl"? Uh, well, we don't use that terminology no. in our family, but my... doesn't it make you go woo like put well, shutters down? It, for, should, us, for us, because yeah. we don't use that, and that's not to say that we're perfect. We have plenty of mistakes, but we are very careful with what we say to these guys. Well, with something like that, and the reason that it brings shutters down my spine is to say to a child, "You are a bad girl." Again, there's not, there may not be an understanding to why they're in trouble or why you're saying that. Oftentimes, children aren't seeing the connection to what they did wrong yet. And so what they're, what you are telling them is that they are inherently bad. Right. Instead of the act Instead or what, of the, the act behavior, or the choice, they think of it as this is who I am. I am bad. Yeah. And so to say to a child, so you're probably saying, well, then what do I say? Um, to say to a child, that was a poor choice. Mm-hmm. That was a bad choice. Mm-hmm. Um, that decision that you made was not a good choice. You know, where you're focusing on the act, the way that, you know, you just hit that person, that is not okay versus, you know, you are a bad girl, you mm-hmm. are a bad boy. Because that's, some, how do you correct that? How do yeah, you exactly. It, you're saying this is who I am in this moment. Right. And it's not... It's a guilt shame thing. Yeah, exactly. And we even carry that to, you know, say that somebody's on the TV who got put in jail for whatever reason. We, I don't even say that that's a bad person. No. I say that that is a person who made... A lot of Four bad choices. choices. And because there's always, we've always, this is me, okay, my opinion. We always have to have room for redemption. We always have to have room for hope. We always have to have room for people to go back to their natural state, mm-hmm. which to me is love and mm-hmm. joy and, and that place of knowing themselves because we didn't come in. Um, we were actually just watching that show last night. Yeah, there was um, a, a 60, minutes, 60 Minutes. There was a Nazi guy who... Who uh, was unfortunately shot by his own son. Right. And they start... And the the grandma... And it's a, it's a horrifying story all around. So there's no like right, wrong, this or that. But the grandma said, when this boy was born, he was born this way. And I say... And we both... Todd and I looked at each other and we go, baloney. Yeah. And that doesn't mean that maybe he didn't come in with maybe a little more feistiness or maybe a little more of the kind of kid who was spongy, who absorbed things that were challenging or negative. I'm not saying that there wasn't some kind of environment, you know, or um, what's what's the word I'm looking for? Some more natural, you know, way of being. But to say that he came in Mm -hmm. as someone who would kill someone, 
please. Right. And if this boy would have been raised in a house of love yes, instead of, of hate, hate speech. His father was like the highest up in the in Nazi the regime. National Nazi, yeah. yeah. So um, it is, uh, you know, I say BS to that I grandma too. I say BS too. too. And again, it's a way that we feel better about ourselves right. is to blame our kids. It's part of the reason that... Um, that sounded like a really harsh statement, <laughs> but it's part of the reason that um, I used to work with children at Children's Memorial, and I really struggled because I would work with children who had some serious challenges, mm -hmm. um, some of them homicidal, suicidal challenges, and they would make such progress while they were with us, and we had a milieu setting, and so it was myself and other people who were working with the kids, and then they would go home. And then they'd come back two weeks later and have all the same problems because the parents hadn't shifted. Mm -hmm. The kids were like, okay, I get this. I get this. I'm learning about myself. I'm learning tools. But the parents were the same. And so, you know, it was a lot of times we say this isn't a blame game. You don't have to think about it as a blame game, but you do have to take responsibility for your behavior mm -hmm. in that if you are going to tell your children you are a bad kid, you are a bad girl, and then your child has self-esteem challenges there is some pieces that we need to two plus two here. Right. And again, there are other things. I know children can be challenging and we have to come up with new tools to deal with that. But I'm saying, I don't think the fear, shame, guilt thing is going to get you very far. This is um, a good opportunity for me to share that phrase that I, I, I saw it on that quote, that quote from, and if I could sum up what our shows and parenting radio is all about is to allow me to steal the quote from another Facebook page called parent to parent university. And the, phrase, the, the quote is, the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. Yes. And that beautiful. makes complete sense to us, but I just wonder if maybe we can expand on that just a teeny bit of what exactly that means. Um, to, well, I'll say to me, uh -huh. because this is my understanding. When you read me that quote, I said, that's self-care. Right. That's exactly what I write about, what you and I talk about, what I believe most deeply is that if we as parents understand who we are and understand our, um, our deepest part, our soul, our spirit, whatever word you want to use, and know that that's a good place, mm -hmm. know that that's a good place that we come from, and that we also believe in our humanness, mm -hmm. which is our emotional experiences, our challenges, our difficulties. Um, if we know that, then we understand our children so much better because we know ourselves. Not only do we understand our children because we know ourselves, we have more compassion for them because we have compassion for ourselves. And instead, what a lot of us do is it's scary to look at ourselves. It sure is. And it's much quicker and easier to point out the challenges in, challenges our, children. in our children. That way, I, the, I, my attention has to go somewhere, and I don't want it to go onto me. Right. I don't want to look in the mirror. Instead, I will focus on the challenges of my kids. That way, I don't have to go into that place. And that's... That to me is scapegoating. Mm -hmm. you, it doesn't mean for those of you listening who has a challenging, you have a challenging child. That doesn't mean that it's all your fault that your child is challenging. What it means is that this is to me this would be a relief if you can look at some of the things that you can do differently rather than trying to change your child. Everything kind of flows more naturally. If you're going to focus all your energy on how do I change my kid? How do I change my kid? And you don't do any work on yourself. You're going to do that the rest of your life mm -hmm. because you can't change another person. What you can do is work on yourself, understand yourself better. Even if it's just, you take some self-care time. So you have more patience to deal with your challenging kid. You know, let's start with real basic things. You know, you have one of those you know, children who kind of makes you want to pull your hair out or chill, child or children or whatever, you need more time for yourself so you can deal with it. And maybe by 
getting, you know, finding more patience for yourself. The next time you are with your child and they are challenging you, you handle things in a different way. You don't yell and then they respond in a different way. Do you see how it's like this domino effect? And it's not a perfect process there. You have to go back and forth. Like how much do I like, you know, I do so much deep work and then I think, okay, you know, okay, we're good. I got to figure it out. And then something else comes up and I have to look at it again. If it be that it's mirrored to me by my children, because I'm challenged in an area with them, or if it's, you know, something going on with work or you, Mm -hmm. and I have to look at myself, see what's going on and then go back into it. Well, and one of the quotes you just said, and, um, I think a lot of people who are listening may have said, whoa, 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 is you said you can't change another person. Right. And that is something you and I do believe. But I think a lot of our listeners are saying, what are you talking about? What do you mean you can't change another person? Mm. And I and through our work and our discussions and everything we do, that's something we truly believe. But I think most people think that they can change other people. Well, and some people get validation because maybe they change the externals of a person, mm-hmm. like they marry someone um, and they teach them how to dress better mm-hmm. or they say, you know, they train them mm-hmm. how to do certain things around the house. And I mean, I'm putting quotes, you guys can't see my fingers, but they train them how to do things, but you can't intrinsically mm-hmm. change a person who can that person, that person, that's the, that's only, the only person. person. And some of those things that we think, you know, quote unquote, that we're changing them, they may be momentary. Mm-hmm. They may last for a day, mm-hmm. a week, but they will not, you know, that's not the deepest part of themselves. And the changes that we might want to make can be something really small, like whatever, you know, it doesn't matter what it is, whether it's small or something really huge like addiction. Right. Like I think a lot of parents um, think or siblings or aunts or uncles think that Friends. they can yeah. change somebody who's abusing themselves. Right. And really deep down, you can't really do it. You can support. You can support. You can guide. nurture offer assistance, love, but in the end, it's gotta be that person. Right. So Todd's talking about extreme situation here with addiction, where someone actually has to make the decision for themselves. They're ready to change. But think about that in terms of the smallest things. Exactly. We can use that example of extremes to help us with smaller stuff. Right. And and that, you know, it's really up to that person. It's up to JC to want to do her homework. Right. We can provide a nice environment and do our best to support her, but really it's it's she's the one that that needs to do it in the Complete way that it, it needs to be done. And take it in because maybe she'll maybe we'll force her, you know, again quote unquote force to get through it. But is she learning? Because mm-hmm. isn't that our goal? Well and how do we do that? Like we've talked about it I've talked about it on the show. We don't focus on the test. No. We don't say good luck on your test and we don't say how'd you do on your test? <laughs> and maybe we're we're out of balance the other way, but I would much rather be out of balance that way and focusing on the means, focus on the homework, focus on the studying because focus the t- on the learning, the learning, focus on the enjoying, yeah. focus on the bringing it into the real world. Like we've been, she's talking, working on the solar system right now right. and talk about the stars, talk about what you see. What's your favorite star? Mm-hmm. You know, one of her extra credit assignments was to make her own planet. Mm-hmm. And she kept saying, how do I do it? I, you do it any way you want. Mm-hmm. Like I want her to have the freedom to like have some creativity and not worry about how I think it should look or what the teacher's looking for. Like open that door. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, the imagination is your, your guide. That's to me, the guide to your heart, you know? And if we just get focus on, you know, it has to be, this is the end result. And and unfortunately, Todd, Mm -hmm. this is the way the educational systems are set up. Right. And it's about SATs SATs and and all that other stuff. And, and we might, I don't know if we're going to do SAT preparation. I could, I hope we don't, but maybe we will. 
um, there might be things that our kids miss because we're not playing the same structured game that the rest of colleges play, which is you need to be in eight different extracurricular right. activities. You need to get an SAT score of this to get in. And, you know, because we're not focusing our efforts on getting into a good college right. and instead the joy of learning, you know, they might not have those exact same opportunities, but the balancing out part of it is they might come in a, come to a place of the joy to learn for the sake of And learning. they'll have different opportunities. Right. I think this is what The Race to Nowhere was about, this movie that's still being viewed all over Chicagoland. I'm sure it is in other states as well. Um, it's it's about that, is what we deem, what we think happiness is, is playing this game and getting into these good schools. That's what we think happiness is. But we now know, and we all have to admit it, that's not really it. No. Pushing yourself to a point where you're not sleeping or you're taking drugs or you are, you know, starving yourself or whatever to make sure you get good tests and, you know, get into the right school. And then you're in the school and you're unhappy and then you get a job you don't like. I mean, it doesn't always work out that way, but we really got to focus on the means mm -hmm. and not that end result um, in every aspect of our life. If it be education or, you know, as Todd just brought up at the very beginning, you know, when our kids are making making an effort on anything, cleaning their room. You know, it's the process of what they're doing, playing sports. Like, mm -hmm. that's the other thing, um, you know, with the girls. And again, this is more difficult because, you know, people get very focused on goals or, you know, that end home runs, you know, whatever the sport is or getting the touchdown. But to just say, it looked like you were having a ball out there mm -hmm. or you were running your butt off out there. Not or, about how many goals you score exactly. and not if you won the game. I mean, that's a part of it, but it's not the only part of it. Right. So, um, and another way of helping kids um, feel good about themselves? Yes. Poofin. Poofin. Let's talk about it. I love Poofin. Well, Poofin right now has this awesome gift set sale. And so they have all these, these great gift sets like inspirational gift set, um, girl power gift set, pink gift set, blue gift set for the boys. Um, the, and the inspiration gift set can, I think, be boy or girl. And so, and it's so cheap. Mm -hmm. It's like... I don't even know. Is it like it's 10 or $12 less than it yeah, would be? Yeah, it's, it's less than 20 bucks for a star. If you use the coupon code of Poof and Gift, it's, you get, a, you get um, the, 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 the star, pillow star which is and a then soft three star. charms. It's gift wrapped for you. You can put in a note in there. And that's what we spend at the Walmart getting a, a toy for these guys anyway. Or if you order it, right. you know, that's what it ends up being. And we actually did this yesterday. JC had a birthday party and um, we did a girl uh, pink inspiration star. Right. And that was a gift. And it was already gift wrapped because Poofin had already wrapped it. And thank goodness because we were in the middle of Skyler's birthday party and we had to run out the door. And I was like, thank God so, yeah, this is wrapped. We're going to keep an inventory of Poofins we have a for bunch of the downstairs. 85 different birthdays we have coming up in the next year. And I wanted to say that one of the things that going on our theme of the journey and the process is the Poofin star. Mm -hmm. In the middle of it, there's like a circle that a is wide, a spiral that goes wide and then goes smaller. The, that is on for uh, on purpose that's because that's the journey of mm -hmm. life mm -hmm. and so the creators of poofin put so much thought into this toy that that is the journey of life and that all you know these kids are sharing their lives in these pillows mm -hmm. and that is you know shown on the outside so the, the poofin is so deep and um one of the ideas is like for a whole school year like jc's in third grade um one of the ideas they have is you can get it take a picture of them while they're going into school, the first day of school, one with their teacher, one with the sport that they played that year, and it's kind of a scrapbook for JC's eight that year. Eight year. It's like a keepsake. Yeah, and you can make your own uh, poof and charms in the factory store. You just upload your picture. It's really cool. It's really easy to do. So, 
And uh, uh, Skyler got three new poofin charms yesterday on her birthday. She got the princess crown. She got ice cream cone and that little Pomeranian dog that our children are in love yeah. with right now. Um, so, and again, so put in poofin gift and you get 10% off one of those gift sets. Um, so again, poofin.com. And Avid. Avid Company. They are um, over halfway done with the rebuilt of our house. They're doing a beautiful job. They're doing an awesome job. So if you need a basement remodeled or a kitchen remodeled or just something as simple as painting, give them a call. 630-956-1800. What do you have? Um, just real quick, a few things. I have an article in Chicago Parent Magazine this month, so or actually in October. So it's, you know, it, I don't know when the magazine comes out, but soon. And it's about mindful parenting. So check that out either online, chicagoparent.com, or you can pick up a copy somewhere in the Chicagoland suburbs if you're from there. Um, also, I am going to be, um, or actually yesterday, I was on uh, Annie Burnside's uh, new radio show, and it's on imthankful.com, and she's got this beautiful new radio show. So go to imthankful.com or go to our Facebook page and you can listen to the interview and check out Annie's new radio show because it's awesome. And that's about it. Movie line. Here we go. Listen up. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Terrific. Thank you. What a moron. We'll see you next week. This is Todd Adams. And this is Kathy Adams. Have a good one. Bye-bye.